Good morning and welcome to a Yarn Live. This morning's special guest, none other than Darby Oliver. We'll get into meeting Darby in a minute uh, and everything that's been keeping him busy for the last two years as we worked out. We haven't spoken to each other for two years. And it only seems like yesterday that the All Blacks were whooping up South Africa and uh, now South Africa is leaving the competition. But I've heard some interesting tales about that one. And of course, we'll hear a little bit more about the tech as always. Darby, could you kick off by introducing yourself so we can meet the person and we'll talk about business later. Yeah, absolutely. Nice to see you again, Ryan, and uh, nice to speak to all everyone on the uh, on the call. Uh, actually, my last memory of the All Blacks uh, and of the Springboks was the other way around because I was down in Wellington at that very famous Springbok victory, which was the last time we played. Um, so happy memory for me. So yes. in, uh, I think I was the only green jersey in the whole of the Cacton as well. So yeah, <laughs> interesting. Um, so in case uh, no one's picked it up, I'm uh, I am South African by origin. Uh, I had the privilege of moving to New Zealand in 2015 with my family, taking up a very exciting role uh, at Westpac, which was cool. A huge privilege to come and join the community, the country, um, and you know to come and come and live in a place where what we do matters and makes a real impact. So for me, it's been a massive privilege uh, being here. Uh, my interests: I like a bit of cycling, so we uh, had a bit of a banter about the image of myself in Lycra this morning, uh, which is now seared into uh, into Ryan's frontal cortex forever. Um, love the water, love uh, love the outdoors. Uh, so you can imagine that I'm uh, happy as uh, living in Koimarama, where I do with my daughter and my wife. Fantastic. And um, as we've got behind you, we've got a, uh, a great piece of art that we were discussing as well. And I mentioned that um, David Downs was one that started uh, pulling three things off the back of his shelf to help introduce himself. So tell us what we can all see behind us, um, but tell us your story about that. All right, the cat in the hat. The cat in the hat. So, uh, over the years, I've, I've uh, assembled a little collection of, uh, of Dr. Zeus um, prints. And the reason why is that I, I love the positivity in the Dr. Zeus messages. Uh, my favorite is, is the story of the, of, the, of the good things. And it's because it, it, uh, it articulates the fact that uh, being different is in fact okay. And that what you see at first glance is not always what you get. And that in fact, very often the things that are getting in your way are in fact the good things. Uh, so it's a nice positive story and it's a print that lives upstairs in my daughter's room, uh, just to affirm for her that you know even sometimes when things look a little bit rough these are good things absolutely as is uh, green eggs and ham said sam yeah. i am <laughs> yes indeed have you ever yeah. tried green eggs right <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, i don't know, don't know that i've ever been on the menus i've been looking at but uh, it would certainly be interesting to see if it ever came to fruition perhaps on uh, st patrick's day it might but uh, other than that they will stay well away from um, green eggs and ham so Coming back a couple of steps, um, you came came to New Zealand uh, for the original job with Westpac. So that was yeah. five-ish, six, six years ago? Yeah, going on six years ago, 2015. In fact, my starting day quite fortuitously was the 1st of April in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a good thing um, and a lot of fun. So. Now let's look at the uh, the work picture because, as we mentioned, it was two years ago that we last spoke, and uh, you were the CIO for Westpac, and uh, you're now in a new role. We haven't caught up. I don't know about it, um, but I understand it's an Australian Australian role, so it's um, looking at a broader picture across Westpac. But mm -hmm. please, have an idea. We're looking forward to hearing about the tech and all the cool stuff that uh, you're getting your hands on. 
Yeah, happy to share, happy to share. Um, yeah, the original role I came for was, uh, as you said, the CIO in New Zealand. Uh, and it turned out to be, um, yes, about the tech, but actually very much about the organizational change. Um, it was about, uh, you know, creating agility, creating speed, creating aspiration uh, in, in the local organization. And, and that certainly all came to pass um, quite nicely. Uh, I finished up there a year ago now. And by the time we left, it was it was virtually impossible to to identify by looking at a team who were technologists and who weren't technologists and the like. So the, the, the core of the actual work that I came here to do was cultural in nature. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those one of those classic symptoms of an organization that's struggling with itself, especially uh, nowadays, is when you when you hear organizations refer to tech and the business as being separate things, um, then you know that there are bigger problems there than either tech or the business. Um, and, and that was very much the mission was to get to that place where we we're actually just a business and where we actually all there to serve a customer and we're actually all there to to work and focus on our intent. Yeah. Um, so the, the role in, in Australia was in fact more of the same, uh, but at a much larger scale and very disconcertingly for me, um, I, I haven't been in tech for a year uh, in the group, uh, which is pretty weird, you know, not working with engineers, uh, which has been my daily work for years and years and years. Uh, but on the other hand, it's been an awesome uh, learning opportunity. You know, I've uh, I've now learned things about banking that I didn't know. And considering I've been in banking 15 years, uh, yeah. I would know most things. Um, but it just highlights again the fact that uh, separations in organizations are what cause the inertia. And, you know, I used to be fixated on business technology separation. and it, But it turns out that these these verticals exist everywhere in the business. You know, in a bank, be it between the credit people and the product people and the marketing people, et cetera, et cetera. And that actually, you know, the same boundaries that we were running into between tech people and business people, we need to be breaking them down as aggressively everywhere we see them. Because um, at the end of the day, successful teams and successful businesses are run highly collaboratively. Uh, you know, the problem solving is done in the flow uh, of the service, et cetera. And these are things that, you know, 40 years worth of scientific management teaching has has driven out of businesses. And now it's our job to fix that. Uh, it's also, so, sorry, Ryan, go. I was gonna say, that's a, that's a super interesting way to frame it up in terms of 40 years, you know, and one of the real simple versions that I think of is um, uh, open plan offices. And now they're, they're a step away from those. Yeah. And um, I actually I use a little quip that, that's very fitting now. It's usually talking about health. But I uh, say, you know, when I was uh, five, I got taught to brush my teeth this way. When I was 10, I got taught to brush my teeth this way. When I was 15, I got taught to brush my teeth this way. So they don't really know. <laughs> Quite soon they'll teach you to brush your teeth like this. Oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> me, so I've got implant teeth and I once had a plate. And when you do that, it just makes you remind me of, of having a plate and all the various... Uh, Great aspects that go with that. Um, so maybe a little bit honest. If you think about Brian, the, the the management teachings of forty years have all been about about functional separations, right? About specialisations, and uh, and that almost by definition drives us into putting ourselves and our people into boxes. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. There was a great story um, that one of the team, uh, my New Zealand team, I uh, used to tell about how accomplished he'd become at managing his box. And uh, his name was his name was Wayne, and and he would tell the story about he would he had become very accomplished at setting a high bar 
for work coming towards him, right? So set a very high standard for the work to come to you, sort of a, oh, that's not good enough for me yet. I'm not going to touch that, right? But a very low bar for the work that he was sending to other people, which meant that he didn't have to do very much in between. Yeah. And that was the story of his career. And the guy was miserable as, and he realized the reason he was miserable was because there was no fulfillment for him at a personal level in between. I like it. That's so, again, so well nailed. Because um, I had a, I had a, a colleague who was um, ex-police uh, and from another country, um, but he said um, he was the office manager. And uh, he said, you know, I'm ex-civil service. You know, we're all used to wearing the umbrella hat. And I was like, hey? And he goes, the shit's on top of your head and the umbrella hat allows it to slide off to the next person and it's down shits on top of their head. And he said, therefore, um, I don't have to really worry about it shitting on my head. <laughs> so he said, you've always got to make sure you've got an umbrella hat. And I was like, that just sounds like, you know, passing, shirking and passing the job on. So, yeah, there's um, there's a moment where you feel clever for doing something like that, like having the umbrella hat or bringing high quality in, moving it on, that little difference and thinking that you're really clever. That, that lasts about a minute. Mm. And then you've got years and years and years and years of, as you say, not feeling very fulfilled. Um, so. Right, yeah. And, and the, the second part to Wayne, uh, to the tale that Wayne tells is um, Wayne is an elder in his community, so he spends a lot of time teaching and coaching youngsters. Mm. And, and uh, he originally used to push back quite hard on the kind of uh, sort of blended teaming that we wanted to do because it's a real cultural shift, right? You actually have to be in the moment all the time. Mm-hmm. Until one day it struck him how different his personal life was from his work life and that all the satisfaction that he was getting from actually working with other people, leading them to insight and the like, was entirely missing from two-thirds of his waking life at work. Mm-hmm. And suddenly when, when, when the light went up for him that there was actually a way that his job didn't have to suck every day and that was by bringing himself into this new space, you know, his entire life actually changed. And today he's one of the most accomplished uh, coaches in the business, um, you know, and his entire life is about bringing other people to these realizations that greatness is a collective. It's not a, it's not a singular. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were talking about teamwork and um, what's my favorite saying. Um, it's better to be a champion team than a team of champions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the team of champions reflects on that little, uh, you know, silo of I'm the awesome, I'm great, you know, et cetera. And I've got these other people around me versus the uh, champion team, which is we're all working together That's to right. uh, come together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> so what I'm thinking is, you know, you, you might have a, a team of, I don't know how many tens, hundreds of people uh, or the different teams that are, once upon a time sort of silos and now you're getting to work together. What does that look like in some sort of practical terms if you can give us a, a bit of a yeah understanding? Uh, you know, where you, where you would classically have had a team of marketers or product people or tech people working individually, um, one of the symptoms that you quite quickly see in that, in that sort of handing off uh, way of working is that people lose sight of the intent of the thing that we're, cr- we're trying to create or trying to achieve. And that's because their intent is actually passed from one to another via some kind of a document or a forum or whatever. And actually, when you turn that on its head and you say, how do we team differently to bring the smarts to the problem, not the problem to the smarts, then you're actually creating teams that actually contain all these different disciplines in the same team. You know, so one of the first things to look for when you walk into a business and you walk into a team space is to tell me a little bit about where you all come from. 
uh, because A, it won't necessarily be obvious from looking at them, which in the past it would have been. Um, and B, you'll very quickly get a sense of a blend of skills from across the business, all working in the same shared intent. And that's, that's actually the key and the heart of, of any of these kind of journeys. You know, transformation is an easy thing to sell with a, with a massive ticket on it. Um, but actually right at the heart, there are, there are a couple of simple things we want to achieve is we want people's brains as close to the problem as possible without interpretation. We want them to be able to get as much feedback as often as they can from their customers as they solve that problem. And we want to have as few handoffs as possible in the work. And those really are the core fundamentals of what transformation should be about today. That is uh, simplifying it down to the nuts and bolts, isn't it? Uh, so when you talk about the as few people handling it as possible, this is um, maybe not as maybe not because uh, you're talking about all these different teams from marketing, finance, etc. In the back end, they'd all come together to deliver the result. Um, but the, the I guess the, it's not quite the example, but the classic that I'll use is um, you know the the person who calls in on the on the phone uh, for support or help and gets put through a series of departments. Oh, oh you yeah. can talk your product um oh you know you got the wrong department you should be talking to finance for that problem and the poor customers at the other end going i just need to get this problem solved correct and, uh, and, and along the way the symptoms that you see is every time you get passed to someone else you have to re-explain the problem yes you do <laughs> <laughs> every consumer out there just had a shudder of uh, memory of that moment they had to go through you know 15 minutes of re-explaining themselves every time Correct. Because you have to retell the story yourself every time, you get impatient with it, so you retell it slightly differently every time. Yeah. Even though it's still you telling the same story. Mm. Which means that every single one of those people has a slightly different set of inputs to work with, so you get a different outcome. And that's exactly what's exactly the kind of thing you experience. Yeah. Yeah. So um if I can divert a little bit, because we're almost talking about a rugby team, you know, you're talking about uh, different people product, finance, et cetera, all working together. I'm thinking crop, locks, halfback, fullback. Yeah. You know. uh, but uh, having a look at the rugby, which is obviously a big piece of uh, business uh, for beloved countries, um, and also a huge amount of enjoyment for the fans. So how do you feel about the um, recent news of South Africa heading off to the alternative competition? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, look, I'm, I'm sad to not see them come here. Um, but on the other hand, I can also understand the decision uh, on a number of levels. So besides for the wranglings of the negotiations of what the competition was going to eventually look like and so forth, I mean, the commercials aside, uh, firstly, traveling here from SA is a long, long way. Um, and secondly, when you have a couple of weeks of quarantine in each direction, you know, it's, it's a massive commitment to make. Uh, it basically means that your shortest viable trip is probably three months a month of that is spent in quarantine already and if you're a professional sports person you know you you get rusty pretty quick especially if you're not on a training field etc the second part to it is um you know i think over the years southern hemisphere rugby has has developed a very specific pattern so the the, the titans of the southern hemisphere play each other the same way virtually every time yeah uh, and 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 we see it you know there's there's predictability in the patterns from each of these countries so i actually think it's a healthy thing for the box to head off to europe go and learn some northern hemisphere rugby and eventually come back and bring a different style of springbok uh, team back to back to the southern hemisphere so well, i'm saying that, but I think it's a good thing yeah so that touches on a, uh, a rumor that i've heard just recently which is it's not forever it's just this uh season and uh, when i heard that i was like oh I hadn't, uh, I hadn't heard, um, but B, I just assumed that they left and they're gone. 
and that's it. But um, it was explained to me by a, um, a guy down in AFQI Tauranga uh, that it was just for this competition because originally South Africa was asked to do, yeah, three, which equals six, two-week stints of um, quarantine. And they said, no, we need to rearrange it. And they got the hard words. So they said, all right, we're going to hang up with these guys. So yeah. I don't know if, that's, if there's any truth to it, but it's almost sort of like the, the options or the way it was set up and pushed them into that decision, whereas mm. it wasn't. But at the, at the same time, the, it's just for the season. Mm. Reviewed next, be reviewed next season. What that means, we don't know. But, um, yeah, I that, think that's right. And, and also practically, uh, you know, traveling to Europe from SA uh, is a lot easier than coming here. Uh, you know, it's just because it's in the Northern Hemisphere doesn't mean it's uphill. It's actually quite close in terms of time zones and the like. So it's actually much easier travel. Yeah. Mm. There's been a big discussion for, for a number of years around um, how much uh, yeah, how much easier it is to travel to Europe. And it's been, yeah, it's been a lot hard, but I think for the reason we've heard it talked about for so many years, no one ever thought it would happen. But of course, unprecedented times, as we know, and generating unprecedented results. Yeah. But I, I agree. I think it will give a new flavour to the rugby because pretty much when we see the Northern Hemisphere teams, they just seem to be um, a metre offside the whole game and play quite different. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea. Yeah, so, so I think it'll be interesting to see what happens if the of the game changing because yeah, I think, I think all rugby, I think all rugby here has become highly patterned and pre-thought out, pre-meditated. I think that's why a lot of people really enjoy watching. I don't know if you you you're this way behind yourself, but enjoy watching um, first fifteen or high school rugby. You know, they they're um, good enough that it's an interesting game to watch, but they're also um, bad enough that they uh, make pretty genuine mistakes and it yeah. changes changes the whole game as they go uh, versus uh, being so yeah yeah talking about mistakes though the aussies gave us a good scare in that first bledisloe cup game goodness yeah <laughs> yes um it was it was interesting um i don't know if i should say but well, yeah, yeah you know you have a, a beer discussion with your mates yeah, so um, my thing is, uh, yeah, Ian Foster was um, complaining about um, complaining about a few things, and uh, back in the days of old Shag, wouldn't complain about it; it wouldn't happen, wouldn't allow it. Yeah, yeah. It seemed, uh, it seemed just to expose a you know, very different leadership, which I think is aiming to be inclusive, but also at times, from what I've seen, uh, leaves a little bit to be desired in terms of uh, conviction of what what they're doing. So, um, hmm. so what do you think of the new team at the moment under the new coach? I think there's uh, there's enough talent there for decades. Um, I think what we need to be, I think I think the, the the support around their team needs to be more consistent, right? So after after one, what if it wasn't even a loss to see the amount of public criticism of of coaches and management uh, was was frankly not fair. Um, you know, knowing that we've just come out of all kinds of, uh, of adversity. Yeah. You know, to go feral on someone we've just appointed as a coach, I thought was, was just off base. Um, so I think, uh, I think when, we, when we appoint our management and leaders, we need to back them for at least long enough as, that it'll take them to prove themselves. And the comeback in the second game, obviously, was, you know, was 
kind of fundamental. Um, but uh, it was a little bit sad to see the sudden persecution after after one EMS. You, yeah, I think there's a lot uh, riding on it. So, um, you know, Ian Foster was replaced at the Chiefs by Dave Rennie, and Dave Rennie picked up the team, and they had two championship wins that they would have had. So then um, Dave was Dave wasn't even discussed um, when the All Black coaching gig was up, and he had taken Australia or um, New Zealand come and knocking saying, "Shit, we really want you." So there is a little bit of uh, I think there is a little bit of uh, milk in the saucer on that one. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. And certainly, what I found really interesting was the amount of commentary from the New Zealand side on that first game about um, the Australian performance under Dan Oh, we knew that they'd be dirty around the rocks and the pools. Well, if that was the case, why are you prepared for it? Why didn't you do something about it? <laughs> no point no complaining about it after the game. You've got to do something in the game. But That's right. Lessons from Eddie Jones, right? When uh, when he coached Japan, he coached them because he knew how the box were going to play and beat them. I mean, do something in the game, as you say, not 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 on the couch. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yes. So, we've got AFQY this Thursday, and if it's been two years since we've spoken, it must be, I don't know how many years since your uh, first and last time at AFQY. And I don't, know if, yeah. I don't remember it, but as we always do, we ask, what was your, AFQ, what's your AFQY experience? Give us the honest answer, not just yeah. a light answer, within reaching distance. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I love the proposition of AFQI when you first uh, told me about it. Uh, Rick, I remember us having a fairly long back and forth on uh, on LinkedIn about it before my first attendance. And I, I like the I like the meet the person, not the business card concept a lot. Um, so the first one I really really enjoyed, and you know life just gets in the way, and hence didn't happen right. again. And and what I found actually during the COVID thing is as much as we are connecting electronically, I think the opportunity for us to be face to face with each other is is much more needed now. Um, you know, because back then it was optional. We could have coffee with anyone we wanted, anytime we wanted. Whereas now, you know, we've we've been separated almost intentionally. Um, so yeah, I look forward to to getting back in there and seeing seeing all the peeps I haven't seen for a while. Especially considering I've been working away from here technically for a bit. I look forward yeah. to getting. Do you do you um, work for, make sure from the office and home here in New Zealand? But most of your stuff's in Australia, and obviously you tra you were travelling across here. But now you're doing most of it from video. But do you do you sit at home all that time, or are you actually in the New Zealand Westpac offices at times as well? Yeah, no, I don't go to the New Zealand office virtually at all. Only to go and uh, catch up with, with the folks I used to work with. Um, just because it's easier to connect via VPN from home, right? Our bandwidth is good, so there's no reason. Yeah. To. And uh, actually, uh, I commuted to Aussie until. Uh, two days before lockdown started, so I just managed to squeak back in. Wow. Yeah, it was. And, and the worst is I was sitting in Australia going, yeah, should I push it for another week or shouldn't I? Man, I'm glad I came back. I would have been stuck in Sydney. Um, yeah. And I just recently come back. So about uh, beginning of August, I, I flew over, did my two weeks of quarantine, uh, spent nearly three months there, and then did two weeks of quarantine on the way back. And I can tell you my advice. Yeah. If you can avoid yeah. quarantine, avoid the quarantine. <laughs> so um so what do you what do you think now that you've done it what do you think about people that just say it's only two weeks oh, yeah those are people who have not been locked in a room for two weeks yeah <laughs> so what, what did you do for two weeks did you catch up on your netflix um or did you do some other 
online mm -hmm. activity? Well, you know, it doesn't stop you from working because we're online and we're virtual. Um, yeah. But I had my had my bike and my indoor trainer in the room, so I was uh, quite quite uh, patterned in making sure I got on the bike every day, which was a good thing. I reckon I might be the only person who actually lost weight in quarantine because the food's also terrible. So a combination of regular exercise and horrible food will get you thin quite quick. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, maybe I should maybe I should uh, take your um, lead on that one because I, I put ten kgs on over um, lockdown, which I can understand how because we swapped from a mixture of home cooked food and takeaways to just home cooked. I had uh, you know a healthy chicken and salad sandwich on uh, Mollenberg. Uh, or something like it uh, every lunch made by Nikki when she wasn't having brain surgery or, or that, you know, sort of instant recovery, uh, and a beautiful home-cooked dinner, no takeaways. And I thought, as a result, I would drop weight because I was still doing, still doing the dog walk. You know, the old, remember the old COVID images of the dog who's up on the um, up on the yeah. cupboard? I don't want to go for another walk. <laughs> I think that's what our dog felt like. So, yeah, I couldn't understand it, um, but somehow I did, yeah. 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 I got yeah. off. Well, you know, we're a lot less active than we used to be. So now it's about how much you eat, not only how well you eat. Mm. Yeah. Yes, I, yeah. I wanted having turned 44. I thought uh, maybe this is the, the bit where the, you know, uh, things change. And uh, looking at food, I'll put on, um, you know, substantial recognizable weight. Whereas yeah. I used to be able to get away with it a bit more, but maybe I've just passed that moment now. I'm going to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the sad realizations. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So we're just coming up to a close uh, today. And our last question, as always, is what's the coolest thing in tech according to you personally? Now, this is not necessarily a work thing. You know, it could be a watch, it could be a pen, whatever it is that um, you've yeah. personally done. Um, yeah, you mentioned the COVID thing, right? There's, the, there's a meme that goes around that says, you know, with digital transformation, the greatest catalyst to digital transformation has been, has been the pandemic. And that's certainly so. Um, so for me, the coolest thing actually has been to see essentially the whole world adopting uh, virtual capabilities at once um, and, this, and the, the, the level of comfort that everybody had with it, uh, you know, especially when you contrast that to the amount of fear and, and distrust there was of it before the lockdowns. So I actually think that for, for the, online, the online world, the internet in general, internet businesses, uh, you know, online commerce, the greatest thing to ever have happened would have been the pandemic uh, in retrospect. Um, and certainly from the financial services point of view, this has been so. I mean, obviously, if you can't go to a branch to do the banking that you used to do in person that you thought you only ever would do in person, well, yeah. guess what? No one's doing it in person anymore. And I think that's, I think that's a magnificent change for the world. Um, just because there's been so many business models just waiting to be explored that just weren't getting that critical mass because not enough people trusted the online world enough. Yeah. And, now they, and I think that's probably the most exciting thing for me. Yes, well, um, I love that little phrase, um, uh, necessity is the mother of all invention. And, and while COVID is an invention per se, um, we certainly have adapted and adopted behaviours that we've talked about, but not really got there, as you mentioned. But yes, it's been a bit of a, um, bit of a driving force for a change that we knew we could, but we just didn't quite until, until now. But that's a... Mm -hmm. think, think about things like the economy, right? So there have been uh, there have been debates around uh, you know the distribution of cash, about the acceptance of checks, about the 
the use or otherwise of contactless payments, of online payments and the like. And all of those debates basically got proven to be complete furfies by the fact that we just couldn't do them anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it certainly has driven that uh, change and made people really aware of, you know, what they, what, I guess what they can do. And I think, yeah, for me, I come back to that uh, you know, necessity of being mother of all, um, anything really. We had no choice. And we made it work. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, how many do you have some idea of the um, Zoom minutes or video call minutes that uh, you've done over COVID? Oh goodness! Wow, I, I don't. Do you it, it'll be massive. It'll be at least, mm, I would say, eight to ten hours a day, nonstop. You yeah. know, or however, like, however long it's been since since March. <laughs> so it's a lot. Oh. I've just realized because I, I went through the same at the beginning of lockdown, you know, eight hours a day of Zoom meetings and then to work after after hours and you know what what just happened? And um I think it's uh, we we're, we're where we are right now, um doing what we're doing right now, you don't have to leave. You don't have to get up and travel, you don't have to go for coffee somewhere. There's none of these things that break up so you can absolutely go end to end back to back with all of these meetings. Uh so and in fact, when I went to Ozzy, Ryan, sorry to interrupt, uh, on the first day, I actually went into the office uh, to go and spend some time with a team, which is a weird experience nowadays for, for those of you who don't go to offices regularly, offices are deserted. Yeah. And I was walking around the floors and it was about two hours in and I said to the team, I cannot believe how much slack time you have. Just because when you're sitting behind a screen like this, there is no slack time, as you just said, right? It's one thing yeah. to the next, the next thing. Oh, we would go for a little walk down to the coffee shop, have a little coffee, have a little chat, catch up with some folks in the corridor. None of that. <laughs> it's all gone. So we um, we bring our session today to a bit of a close. We always ask for closing remarks. And, um, you know, between rugby, the technology, the new role with Australia that's not so new for you, but new for probably a few of us, um, well, what would you like to leave us, of course, in the hand, we can't forget him. Um, what would you like to leave us for today as your closing remarks? Well, um, I think we must never lose sight of just how privileged we were to be in New Zealand uh, at the time of one of the most significant historical events ever. Uh, and that as much as it's easy to become, com to become complacent uh, with where we are, um, we need to never never forget to stop pause and be grateful for the fact that as a country we've weathered this thing better than anyone in the world and that the freedoms that we have today was because of our collective commitment to that and that if we take that view on virtually everything that we do in that uh, our activity our actions have to be undertaken to improve the greater good for all of us collectively even if we are commercially competing with each other um, then we will continue to have a country that we that we love and that we're privileged to live in well, those are beautiful thoughts. I, I do appreciate that. It's um, you know, something that uh, you know, brings us all together in some ways and uh, leaves us with a very positive outlook. So really appreciate your time. It's been a, a pleasure. And, of course, uh, looking forward to seeing you on Thursday night, first time in a few years at AFQI. Um, interestingly enough, there will be a couple of your colleagues there that you may or may not have run into. Um, so Sonia Crosby and uh, Kelly Farrell, both from the... Uh, sorry? Awesome. I look forward to it. Yeah, it'll be great. Yeah, that's going to be great. So thank you very much for your time today. And, um, oh, last one, last one. We've got to have some sort of 
prediction on the whatever rugby championship uh, is now. So, so are we going for an All Blacks win of the rugby championship? Well, I've got to live here, man. Do <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear a hint of it could be Australia? Let's see what happens with Dave Rennie's boys, hey? Or, uh, Australia had their push at it, and uh, we saw how good they are, and the All Blacks came back just as we were hoping they would, so I don't think there's anybody, anybody else in the competition. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be All Blacks away. So, thank you very much once again. Look forward to seeing you tomorrow. It's going to be fantastic. It is tomorrow, Thursday. It's going to be fantastic. And again, cheers for all your time today. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.